<laughs> Someday you're going to read one, aren't you? Uh, because an interesting, an interesting story came our way. Uh, that the Lord uh, opened up a door that uh, we hadn't anticipated. Uh, when I got a phone call from uh, uh, someone I didn't know and who didn't know us and wanted to know if we would be interested in ordaining him. And I thought, wow, that's different. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on. I said, I kind of stumbled a bit, and I explained that when someone is ordained in the Christian church, they're ordained by a local congregation. Uh, and obviously, you know, we couldn't ordain someone we didn't know. Uh, our history has been to ordain young men who grew up in our church. Uh, and uh, the more I talked to Chris, I, I began to find out he had uh, a real heart for ministry and the chaplaincy and uh, had responded to a call that uh, God made very clear to him and he made very clear to Lisa. And uh, she expected or responded that call well, too. And uh, they uh, started on a course to become... Uh, a military chaplain in particular, uh, has a career in the military and uh, just sensed that this was something God wanted him to do. And he went to uh, Lincoln to uh, the seminary, said he didn't know anything about it except it was a seminary, and he had to go there if he wanted to be a chaplain. And in the process, he got his MDiv degree, uh, went on to uh, Army Chaplain School and other training, and was actively involved in serving as a chaplain, even though he couldn't be officially recognized as such uh, by the military and uh, didn't have the protection of an ordaining body that would stand behind him in decisions that he was called upon to make in the military. And uh, I said, well, come and get to know us and give us a chance to get to know you. And so Chris started coming, and pretty soon his family started coming, and I think we loved on them pretty good, and uh, they decided we weren't such a bad church, and uh, that we might be able to, uh, to enter into a relationship that's going to bless the kingdom, and uh, I think we've done that uh, already. And uh, I don't want to go on and on. Obviously, Chris has things to share, but I wanted to give you just a little bit of understanding of the importance of this day. Because this is a day when we're going to be ordaining uh, Chris. Um, <laughs> I have called you Chris Lair way too long, or Lear, whatever I call you. You're just Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I have mispronounced it since the day one. I finally got it straight from Lisa. She says, say Bear first. Now, now I can't even say your name without saying Chris Bear Lair. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, uh, where was I going with that? I don't know. Uh, but I wanted you to, to understand, this, again, the significance of this day and be able to participate in it. Uh, and in your bulletin, uh, you should find a service of ordination. Uh, it's an opportunity for the elders of our congregation to officially set Chris apart for the ministry. It's also a time when we ask you as a congregation to, to acknowledge your desire to set him apart and to stand behind Chris uh, in ministry. So as we 
begin our ordination service. I'd like Chris to come forward, if he would, uh, stand here. And uh, Lee, if you'd like to come and begin our service, uh, reading from Romans, and then Doug will come and read for us uh, the meaning of ordination. The scripture I'm going to share with you this morning comes from Romans chapter 10, the first 15 verses. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. For I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness that comes from God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the end of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Moses describes in his way the righteousness that is by the law. The man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not stay in your heart, for you will ascend into heaven. Was it to bring Christ down? Or who will descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we are proclaiming. That if you confess your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with you and with your heart that you believe and you are justified, and it is you with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. The same Lord is Lord, and all are richly blessed, all who care and call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. How then... Can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they have been sent? As it is written, how wonderful and beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. This morning, we have the privilege of ordaining Christopher Lair into the Christian ministry. The dictionary defines ordain as an appointment or to set apart for a specific purpose. And we find it used in several settings in the Bible. Before Jeremiah was even conceived, God ordained him as a prophet to the nations. Jesus ordained the 12 to be apostles whom he would send out to proclaim the gospel. After the ascension, he ordained Saul, sending him out as the apostle Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles. Paul and Barnabas then ordained elders to shepherd the churches in Asia Minor. The hand of God was evident in all these ordinations. And it's this morning we acknowledge that God has called and ordained Christopher Lair as his spokesman. Chris, we therefore now publicly recognize 
that Jesus has ordained you to proclaim this, his gospel. We only support your appointment. The Holy Spirit has already ordained you to shepherd and to instruct. We only seek to help you begin that ministry. We do trust, however, that this service will have special significance to you. You are being ordained to a specific function within the total ministry of the body, that of preaching and teaching. You are being ordained as a point of departure, just as a president at his inauguration, at a, a couple at their wedding, or a Christian at his baptism. You are being ordained legally so that the state of Illinois might see you as we see you, as a preacher and teacher of the gospel. And finally, you are being ordained that we might be reminded of our responsibility. As a responsible church, we must maintain a loving, caring oversight in your ministry. God did not ordain Jeremiah never to speak to him or encourage him again. Jesus did not ordain his disciples and abandon them, but rather he trained them and promised to be with them always. Jesus did not ordain Paul and then failed to strengthen and support his ministry. Paul, in turn, did not ordain elders and then failed to shepherd in their shepherding. Therefore, Chris, we pledge not to ordain you without giving you our continued support and encouragement, counsel and advice, and loving concern. In short, Chris, we want your ministry to be ours, and that is why we are ordaining you this morning. Before the Lord ascended to heaven, he gave to his followers a, a great commission. He said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That commission is one that the church has sought to fulfill for almost 2,000 years. It's a commission that, that drives us, and we're confident drives you, Chris. We also have a scripture that is very specific from an old minister to a younger one. I solemnly charge you. in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. But you be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work 
of an evangelist fulfill your ministry? You have before you the vows of ordination to which we are asking Chris to respond and you to respond as well. And first to Chris. Chris, upon hearing again the great commission of our Lord and the charge Paul gave to Timothy, are you ready and willing to accept a similar charge? Are you personally committed to preaching the word? Are you willing to reprove, rebuke, and encourage with great patience so that men, women, and children will be led to the truth? Have you given due consideration to the hardships and sacrifices that you may be called upon to endure in fulfilling your ministry? Do you then wish for this congregation to ordain you? As a minister of the gospel, and to you, upon hearing of Chris's desire to preach the gospel and hearing of his commitment to fulfill the ministry God has given to him, do you wish to ordain him as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you willing, therefore, to stand behind Chris with your prayers, encouragement, and whatever other support may be needed to help him fulfill his ministry? Chris, I would ask you to kneel before the Lord and for the elders to come forward, be praying for Chris and to identify with his ministry through the laying on of hands. Heavenly Father, this is a very serious commitment that Chris has made, and we ask you to be with him, um, put your hands upon him at all times, give him the wisdom and the knowledge that he is going to need as he preaches, as he walks your walk, as um, young soldiers and people are watching him. We ask you to be with his family in this time as... Um, Chris takes on this serious um, commitment. Uh, be with him, comfort him, and just uh, give him the strength that he's going to need. And we thank you so much for his commitment and willingness to go out and serve and, and take hold of the Great Commission to, to um, lead people to you, Heavenly Father. We thank you so much for him. Father, we... Uh we rejoice in this ordination service this morning. Um, you've, you've called Chris to you. Uh, you've taught him. 
and uh, and you're leading him right now and using him, and we're so thankful for that. We're thankful that you brought godly men and women into his lives at just the right time uh, to prepare him for this moment. Um, we're so grateful uh, that you're our loving Heavenly Father and so excited that Chris can use his talents to, to show others your wonderful gospel of grace um, and to teach others of your loving kindness. And Father, we just always ask that that you keep him humble, that as, as his ministry is doing great things, that you keep his heart humble before you, and that we always give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise, because you are wonderful. And we're, we're just so thankful. We look forward to hearing Chris's message this morning and standing behind him as a church family. We just ask that you indeed speak through him and bring us all a message that we can take forth from here and rejoice in and learn from it. Thank you for your, 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 your holy son. In his name we pray. Amen. Beginning to question now, uh, being able to preach after that. So, yeah, as, a, as you know by now, I, I am a chaplain, I'm, I uh, work at Christian Homes, and I've uh, been preaching through uh, Hebrews uh, with them there, and I know that, that pleased Ricks, and, uh, and as I was getting ready to uh, decide what you know, I was going to preach for today, I realized what I was going to preach next for them works really well for here, for today. It's Hebrew, uh, through Hebrews that uh, we get to look, we really do get to know our Lord. I mean, Hebrews itself is a book, it's an argument, it's uh, like a courtroom argument that you know, if this is true, then that must be true. And for those computer programmers out there, if this, then that. When uh, in the previous chapters of Hebrews, we learned that Jesus is indeed God. We also learned that Jesus is indeed man. And that by this time, Jesus is greater than Moses. And if Jesus is God, if Jesus is man, and Jesus is greater than Moses, then or therefore, what we find at the end of chapter 4 and into chapter 5. That this, this text here is in fact Jesus' ordination service to the Hebrews. It was a reminder to those Jews that look, we have a new high priest. And as we witnessed this morning that it is a delicate task to choose someone to be ordained into ministry. There has to be a divine sense of calling. The character of the person that is called must demonstrate sympathy and empathy with people. And that there must be confidence in the word of God. There's not much difference in the Old Testament history. Except you had to come from the right tribe. And it 
which I don't have to today. It also doesn't require animal sacrifice or daily rituals, which I'm thoroughly glad for since I don't even hunt. But Christ relieved us of those responsibilities. And the ordination service that we find in Hebrews of Christ is a model for our own ministries. So to begin with Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I believe that the author of Hebrews, as I'd kind of go in earlier, it sounds an awful like Paul, but it may not necessarily be Paul. But he's returning back to the, cha- to the first verse of chapter 3, that Jesus is the apostle and high priest. That after explaining Jesus is greater than Moses, as the Israelites had venerated Moses above all other prophets, and that Jesus is also above all other priests. And there's also an interesting phrase in this section that, you know, I was like, okay, what? It was the confession. Well, what confession? What is this confession? Paul explains this actually in a number of places. And I'm going to read from Second Corinthians briefly on that. Is it by their approval of this service? They will glorify God because of your submission flowing from your confession of the gospel of Christ. Thus, this confession is that of the gospel of Christ. It is the good news. In holding fast to that confession, we witness our Lord. And this next verse is quite humbling for me, being newly ordained. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And it's a well-known fact, I think, that we know that AA counselors are all alcoholics. I mean, that's what they put in their brief guide to Alcoholics Anonymous, that the counselors know what the illness feels like, and they've known how to recover recover from it in AA. And this particular idea of knowing what it feels like has helped in my own ministry. And as a soldier, I've lived life as a soldier. I've put in 20 years, and I'm still going. And in that 20 years, I have made just about every mistake a soldier could possibly make. And as a man early in my life, I tried to live life within my own understanding. And since I know what the illness is of being a soldier, 
and in fact, for that matter, an airman, because I did that too. I also have an idea of what soldiers, young soldiers and young airmen are going through. And the same thing has come with me in the, in the nursing homes, except uh, when I'm with them, they bring their thousands of years of experience and teach me. And we are able to gather, affirm each other in our faith. And yet, with the previous verses in Hebrews, Jesus knows the simple illness of what it is to be human. He understands those temptations, and yet he never succumbed to any of those temptations. God now understands experientially what it means to be us. And Jesus has demonstrated that he has overcome our failures. Tempted as we are, and never succumbing to that. As the author of Hebrews writes, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. And we continue on with chapter 5, verse 1. For every high, high priest is chosen from among men and is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and the wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifices for his own sins, just as he does for the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by him, who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And just as every pastor, minister, or chaplain is chosen among men, and here I stand before you, certainly not as a high priest, and certainly not to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. In fact, while... This ordination service does place a distinction upon me. I am not above any of you. For in the words of Peter, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But this honor is very real. I am your representative this holy body to the world. But the distinction is very fine, at least as far as I'm concerned, my distinction versus the distinction of you. And as uh, Rick briefly spoke about his experience with me coming here, I'd like to expand on that a little bit more. I was raised in the church for all the good it did me. By the time I was accepted into that church, I was like, I'm done. Done with going to church and dealing with 
the people I had to see every day, the hypocrisy, the cliques. Considering I was an art kid in, in uh, high school, I didn't fit in very well. I don't fit in very well since I'm six foot four, with red hair. Failed at college. I'm going to admit to you, my first semester in college was a grand total of a point, point four six GPA. So I was failing there, and maybe I ought to just go join the army, and I did. I went active duty. During that time, I met a girl. A girl I probably shouldn't have had a relationship with, but I did. As a woman, I ended up marrying, but God was not in that marriage. I was trying to live my life as I understood it. And it was an ugly relationship. And when I realized I started needing having the Lord back in my life, she was... I left her. I couldn't have children with her. I couldn't raise children in an environment like that. And during that time, I did meet a special woman. But also during that time... I gave up. Not that I gave up to suicide, I gave up to my own understanding. I was on my knees to the Lord saying, you had better be real. This had better be true. Because I can't do this anymore. Seeing it just the way I'm seeing it now. This had better be right. And I made a soldier's commitment. Lord, if I'm going to do this, and you say jump, I jump. Well, I married that wonderful woman. She's over there. While I didn't start going back to church right away, it was through her, her encouragement. I think we need to go back. We need to start going to church. Okay. And after going back and finishing up my, finally finishing up my bachelor's degree where, you know, I, you know from that point four six, I had a near 4.0. Lord now went, aha, gotcha. You got a degree, that means you can go get your master's. <laughs> what? I was sitting in church knowing what I had to go do next. I had to go join the army and become an army chaplain. By that time, I was in the Air Force National Garden enjoying life, and I hated the army. Are you stupid? Do what? It took me three days, three days to come to terms with that. And I know, and I've had interviews with people, well, that's pretty quick. I made a soldier's commitment. The Lord said, jump, and I went, ah. Oh took me three days, and really I think a lot of it came to, it took me three days to build up the courage to say something to my wife. Lisa looked at me like I had two heads when I first said, I think I need to go to seminary. Fifteen minutes later, okay, how are we doing it? She had accepted it far faster than I did, and that was my first sign that maybe this was the right thing to do. From there, we 
I had to do a lot of work on the house. We sold the house that we bought in Murfreesboro, a house that we both dearly loved, fled in. Put it on the market for about 20000 more than the realtor thought was, that was uh, acceptable. We sold it in two weeks. I was, and this is in a repressed market, down in southern Illinois. My parents offered us their home to live in, which, honestly, and they're, and they're here in the room with me. It was a mixed blessing. <laughs> there you go. Four parents, two little children don't work really well. It works, but not as well as it should. So, you know, eventually we moved down here to Chatham when Lisa found her job. So, and that, but, and the relationship still exists between my wife and myself and my parents, which is, which has been a blessing. But my wife, my mom has been able to watch our two little ones grow up. So that's been great. But at the most important thing in all that, I completed a three-year program in three years. Most people at Lincoln Christian University complete their program in four, five, six years. Because Lisa's said, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it now and be done with it. So I have a family that supported me through me hearing voices, right? And yet, and also in that time, I was kind of dragging my feet, getting back into the Illinois Guard, or into the military again. Well, I'll go to the reserves, I'll drag my feet. And I ended up actually in one of my classes being roommate. We did a road trip, and I was roommated with a, another chaplain candidate who told me all about the National Guard, and you ought to do that. Less than a month later, I was a chaplain candidate. Everything that needed to happen happened. It was hard, and it is still hard. It was difficult for my wife and I in our relationship during this time, but because we have the Lord in our life, because the God is in our marriage, we are recovering. And through all that, I think maybe you recognize I didn't live my life perfectly. I made a lot of mistakes. And as we see in the second and third verse of chapter 5, he can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is beset with weakness. And this was the charge of the high priest. And also, if we're to believe the words of Peter, then we are all priests. We are all obligated to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward because we are beset with weakness. And again, as uh, we are priests, and we also have a high priest. And so Christ did also not exalt himself to be made high priest, but was appointed by him. And in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. 
Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. In being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to, who, to, to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And working backward a little bit from there, the author writes again that Jesus was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek, we remember, comes from Genesis. Melchizedek was there when, Ab when he met Abraham after Abraham had a great victory, liberating captives and possessions. Melchizedek, a high priest of God the Most High, who in the story in the Bible is the one high priest that has no beginning, no end, who comes from nowhere, has no lineage, who's not even an Israelite because they don't even exist yet. And yet this didn't make any difference to God. It shouldn't make any difference to us that our Lord doesn't have the right lineage, is not a Levite priest. And that goes the same for us here. We don't have the right lineage. We were all born Gentile. We don't belong except through Christ Jesus. And what about Jesus being made perfect? How could God be, be, be made perfect? The author of Hebrews takes great pains to show us that Jesus was indeed God, that he was the voice of God, the logos, the voice of creation. We understand the power of that. Jesus, the voice of creation, who subjected himself. He subjected himself to the Father. Prayers, cries, a supplication to the Father. The very voice of God submitted himself to God the Father in absolute obedience when he subjected himself to becoming one of us. Through his suffering, he was perfected as a man. The creator became the created. The potter became the pot. If that's not humbling, I don't know what is. Because he did this for us. If you think about this, God in Christ Jesus himself came for our benefit. And when I think about it, it kind of makes me nauseous just to think about he should humiliate himself for me. And why should I be even bothered to be called? Who am I? And I relate to Peter in that one. Get away from me, Lord, the sinner that I am. So it's the response. In my service to the Lord, my Lord, who humiliated himself to save me, save you, I must honor that in everything I do. How I minister, how I conduct my everyday life. 
And even though I will fail again and again and again and make mistakes over and over, Christ did not fail. So therefore, let us with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Now wait a minute. Enough said.